This podcast has been brought to you by Freedom High School, enhancing education through technology. Welcome to History Without the Textbook. I'm Sasha, and today we'll be talking about one of my personal favorite topics, the French Revolution. So, although the French Revolution might not seem as important of a topic to learn about as something like the Great Depression, I think it's a really interesting portion in world history, and I think it's a really cool concept once you actually understand it. So today we're going to be focusing on a little bit of background as to why it started, what happened during, and how it was resolved, or if it was resolved. So for some context as to why the French Revolution actually began, you can look at what was happening in France leading up to 1789, which is when the French Revolution actually began. So um, right before that had actually been the American Revolution, and France helped America a really big amount during the French Revolution. Um, They provided tons of military and funds and was one of the main reasons America was able to beat such a developed country like Britain. So without France's assistance and money, America probably never would have gotten to where they were. But with that, they had spent a lot of money. And a little afterwards, France got into a war with Britain, once again, spending tons and tons of money. This caused a really big problem for their economy, and they were in a huge, huge, huge recession. But another issue with France's economy and overall society was the class system they had. So France's economy and just overall social hierarchy was divided into three classes, and they were called estates. The first estate was the priests, all the uh, church clergy. Um, The second estate would be all your nobles, like the richest people and aristocrats in the country. And the third estate, which was the largest estate and made up over 80% of the entire population, was the peasants. And they were extremely poor. They farmed for the country, they produced all the food, but they had no money and they could barely survive. Survive. Meanwhile, the first two estates had all the money in the country. They would throw these insane parties and eat tons of food while the people were starving. And this was especially true for the king and queen. Um, The king and queen were Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. Um, King Louis was a big spender. He built a ginormous palace in Versailles. Um, and it was lined with gold and art, and he threw huge parties every night. Marie Antoinette had crazy hair, and this caused a lot of tension within um, the Third Estate. They began to resent their king and queen, and they began to resent all of the government and the first two estates. And as the economic problems began to worsen, the king decided that he would just increase the taxes on the Third Estate because they made up most of the country, so they would pay the taxes. He did not put any more taxes on the first two estates. So this basically caused the already poor and struggling working class of France to now have to pay for King Louis's huge parties and the entire first two estates to live these luxurious lives. So these taxes were insane. They were impossible to pay, and the price of food and bread skyrocketed because of it, so people couldn't even afford to eat. Another big issue in all this was the fact that the third estate was not represented well in the government. 
Um, France at the time was an absolute monarchy with the king basically overriding all of the government, but they did have a national assembly, which was kind of a meeting of um, representatives from each class. But the problem was, even though the third estate made up the majority of the country, each estate each got equal amounts of votes within the assembly. So basically, if the first two estates said no to something, that automatically canceled out the third estate. It was a two to three vote all the time, even though they didn't make up two thirds of the country. So no matter how much the third estate tried to push back and raise taxes on the um, first two estates or push back against their own taxes, they would never be able to be represented. Now we can kind of focus on the actual start of the revolution. So the revolution began with obviously citizens coming together to push back against the government. And the mark of the French Revolution mostly starts in 1789 when a group of peasants stormed the Bastille. Um, this was a huge prison in um, Paris and it was seen kind of as a symbol of the government. And they went in, overthrew it, took the leader of the prison, put his head on a pike and stormed the streets. So the king started to finally see that this was an actual issue, and instead of putting it down, he ignored it because he didn't think it was a big deal, and it wasn't until a group of women actually stormed his palace in Versailles that he saw what a big issue it was, and at this point, he decided he would just side with the revolutionaries, just give them what they wanted, and um, step down kind of as a figurehead of the country. He wasn't actually doing much running of the country, but he said that he would side with what they were, what they wanted and he would just let them do their thing. Now, this was all kind of for talk. He didn't actually really believe in the revolutionary cause and he wanted to lead his country again. So him and his wife, Marie Antoinette, decided to try to flee the country to Austria and take back his ground. Um, they were caught almost on the border of the country and this is when the rebels decided that he wasn't actually a part of their cause and officially turned on him and he became just a citizen of the country. They took his title and he was no longer the leader of anything. Um, they were replaced by a revolutionary cause and France did not have much of a government at this time. Now the revolutionaries began to get a little bit paranoid that the king would try to come back into power or that any other country, a European country like Spain or Britain, would try to put him back in power. So they decided if he's dead, he can't be put back in power. So he was sentenced to the guillotine along with his wife. And now we can start to talk about something that is heavily associated with the French Revolution, which is the guillotine. So the guillotine was basically just a huge blade that would fall on your head, cut it off, and that was used for execution. Now, this got really, really out of hand towards the end of the revolution, which is known as the Reign of Terror, and this is due to basically one person, and that person is Maximilien Robespierre. Um, he was one of the big revolutionary leaders um, towards the beginning, and he was there towards the end. He was much more radical in his beliefs, and instead of just wanting equality for all citizens, he was more towards revenge and wanting to eradicate the upper class. So him and his group of radicals became more and more powerful as time went on, and eventually they made up most of the revolutionary government. So the Reign of Terror basically marks the time when 
um, Robespierre and his followers were extremely paranoid that people within France were traitors to the cause. If you sympathized with the king or queen, if you sympathized with the monarchy, if you sympathized with the church, then you would be sentenced to the guillotine. There was no judge, there was no court, there was no jury. You were sentenced to the guillotine. And thousands and thousands of people were killed because of this. Um, Along with Marie Antoinette, she was killed during the Reign of Terror. Um, Robespierre became more and more erratic and more and more insane with his ideas. He started turning on his own advisors, his own friends, other revolutionary leaders, and eventually his own party was not having it. Um, He was actually the last victim of the Reign of Terror. His party turned on him, sentenced him to the guillotine, and that marked the end of the French Revolution. That's mostly seen as the end of the French Revolution. So after the death of Robespierre, the government and the revolutionary cause became a lot more moderate, but there wasn't much of a cause left. They didn't really have anything left to fight for, and a lot of people had been just killed. They didn't really feel like they had anything left to show. So this is the point. When Napoleon Bonaparte comes in, he was a military general, and he started to gain a lot of fame and attention from the citizens as a general. And after this, he started to take power within France, but that is a whole nother episode and a whole nother section of history. So overall, the French Revolution is a really great example of what can happen if the citizens of a country rise up against a unjust government and if they try to get the equality that they feel they deserve. But it also is a really good example of what can happen if you let anarchy go too far, if you listen to the wrong leaders, and if you get clouded by things like revenge. Um, The French Revolution, while it was a really great time for France's government to believe more in equality and to show more representation to that third estate, it is also clouded by a time of the reign of terror and people getting their heads chopped off. So... Overall, there is a lot more to the French Revolution than just Marie Antoinette getting killed, and there is a lot more than just the guillotine. So hopefully this helps whoever's listening understand a little bit more about the French Revolution and understand it in a way that makes sense and that you didn't get out of your history textbook. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast, and next week you can look forward to hearing about World War I and how it started and its impact on modern history. So thank you for listening.